0: That passage is a mouthful, isn't it? So we have our work cut out for us today. Well, it's good to be here with you guys this Sunday. <clears throat> and uh, isn't it encouraging to see God move in people's lives so that they want to get baptized and declare their faith publicly like that? Um, the other person he baptizes, baptized is my son, Sam. Uh, so 13 years old. He's... Yes, we've. Uh, he's been wanting to get baptized for a little while, just kind of had to work up the courage to do that in front of y'all, so he's, he's ready for that. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, God calls us to be a baptizing church. We're to teach, we're to baptize and to teach, and so uh, what a privilege when God gives us um, some, some harvest of people who want to be baptized. So thank you to those of you who are ministering to one another. And also I know, um, uh, Jose, you've been going to Alpha, the Alpha course, and that's been really helpful too. Um, and so that's another ministry we have, uh, we'd love for you guys to check out. Am I sound okay? I sound really loud in my, in my ear and maybe in your ears as well. Okay. Turn it down. Is that better? Okay, yeah, that was intense. I don't know what happened. We did a sound check, so it just, yeah. Um, The other thing is, I don't know if you guys know, but me and Miguel and Andrew were at a conference this week. So first of all, the three of us got to hang out, just spend time together. That was cool. But the Mosaics Conference is for uh, multi-ethnic churches. If you're trying to be a multi-ethnic church, they give training and instruction on What does that mean? What does that look like? And so one, I remember one one of the speakers said, you know, being a multi-ethnic church isn't just about having um, more representation around the table. It sometimes means building a different table. I was like, wow, that sounds good. What does that mean? (laughs) And so the, the thing about a conference like that, and like most conferences, is you're, you have to know uh, what wisdom to take in, right? What wisdom am I going to accept? Um, and, and so that's, that's kind of where we're at uh, today in our scripture. We're talking about being a healthy body. We're in 1 Corinthians. And so we want to be a church that is taking in the wisdom of God. But as I was, I was preparing for this sermon... Um, the song came to mind, I don't know why, but it came to mind from uh, Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill, she has a song called Ironic, and she laments about the good advice that you just didn't take. Have you guys ever been there before? The good advice that you just didn't take, right? And so, but the question I wanna ask of Alanis and ourselves is, what happened there? Why didn't you take that good advice? Why do we not take good advice? And I was, um, <clears throat> And so I was reflecting on uh, a, a book I read about leadership that tells the story of a firefighter named Dallas. And he was a firefighter who was a veteran. He was decorated. He was very good. But one summer, there, there was a lot of, of wildfires happening. So his team got split up. He had a whole new team. They didn't know him, they were kind of young and they were rookies and he was the clear leader, the clear veteran, but Dallas was kind of a quiet guy. He didn't really let people into his thinking, it was just, he just kind of expected them to do what they were told and everybody would be fine. Well that worked until the team hit a crisis on the ground where the fire, their lives were in danger because of, the fire, because of the wildfires and they had to go off script. And so Dallas told his team what to do in order to save their lives, but they decided to follow their own instincts. They didn't listen to him, and they all died. So that was the good advice that they just didn't take, and it killed them. There was wisdom that this veteran firefighter had, but they couldn't receive it. And so the, the book, the author reflects on that. Why didn't they listen to the leader who clearly knew more than them, and the takeaway was <clears throat> that because he, he didn't talk to them and explain his process and his thinking, that they had no context to understand why, they were give, why he would give the, those commands in crisis. In other words, they hadn't, he hadn't built up that trust. He hadn't let them in. And so maybe that's one reason why we don't take in wisdom. We don't have context for where it's coming from. If someone just randomly from like the street came up to you, didn't know them and gave you good advice, you probably wouldn't take it because you're like, who are you? Where are you coming from? We need context to understand. So this is what Paul's going to do for us as we want to be a healthy body, as we want to take in wisdom. He's actually going to let us into God's process The reason why God operates the way he does. He's going to let us in to who he is, how he thinks, why God has given this wisdom to help us really accept it. Because we want to be a church, Solano, that trusts in the wisdom of God. That when the wildfires of testing and trial inevitably come, We're not a church that all of a sudden, once things get hard, we each go our own way, follow our own instincts, and ignore the clear wisdom of God, right? We want to be faithful to God's wisdom. We want to stay close and connected to it. So Paul's going to help us do that, right? So he starts off and he says in verse 6, Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Kind of an interesting um, introduction If you're mature, perfect, that word means perfected. If you are mature, there is wisdom for you. God does have wisdom, right? Um, It's not a wisdom of this age uh, or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed beforehand, uh, before the ages for our glory, and so the, the phrase, to give us context for the wisdom of God, to help us understand it, to help us embrace it and really take it in, I want to zero in on this phrase that Paul uses where he calls it a secret and hidden wisdom. That kind of jumped out at me. I don't know if you've ever thought about God's wisdom that way. It's hidden and secret. And so I think Paul's trying to, trying to get us to understand how God operates. So I think it implies three things. Paul is saying there's three things we need to understand about God's wisdom. And the first thing he wants to impress upon us is that the wisdom of God, by saying it's secret and hidden, is not accessible to human beings by our own faculties of understanding. That's what hidden and secret means. It is hidden from the world. They cannot attain. We cannot attain to the wisdom of God on our own. It is hidden. Hidden from us. <clears throat> so Paul says this. Paul kind of implies that when he talks about how the it's not from the world and the powers of this world did not understand it. But then he says it explicitly a little later in verse 14. He says, the natural person does not accept the things of God, uh, of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. It doesn't get, uh, it doesn't get more um, explicit than that. The human faculties cannot comprehend God's wisdom. Now, just to understand what Paul's saying here, he's not saying that human beings cannot intellectually understand the gospel. He's not saying they can't get it and understand it. What what these words mean by, when you see the word accept or understand, these are words that mean kind of welcome in as though you're, you're, you're bringing, you're kind of showing hospitality to a loved one. You're really cherishing it. You're bringing it in in order to cherish it. And same with that word understand. It has a deeper meaning than just intellectual understanding. It's actually the same word that's used when the New Testament wants to say that someone had sex. They use the word nosko, which means to know somebody. Right, So it's an intimate understanding. It's bringing it in and knowing it intimately in a way that's life-changing. That is not able to happen to the natural person. That word natural uh, means of the flesh. So it, it's where we get uh, the Greek word. It's where we get the word carne in Spanish, which means meat of the flesh. The carnal person of the flesh does not accept the things of God. Um, so that is with our own vaunted human reason and power. The human looks at the truth of God. Maybe they understand its logic, but they look at it and say, eh, that's nothing special. That's cool, but come on. Are you really going to devote your life to that? In other words, it's, it's ultimately folly. So. What that means, the second implication of the secret and hidden wisdom of God, it must mean this is that for human beings to accept God's wisdom, God has to reveal it. If it's secret and hidden, then God has to reveal it. So Paul's going to say that explicitly too in verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through his spirit. So why is this important for us to know? Why does Paul want us to understand that these are not acceptable to the natural person, to the natural human ability, but through God's revelation, that is how we receive it? Well, Paul said something that really made me stop and think. And it's it's a passage we should meditate on it, but I'll read it again. He says, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages began for our glory. This wisdom of God, do you see what he's saying? It was decreed, that's the same word as predestined. It was what God had marked out for us before we were even born, for our glory. We don't think of God like that. This came up in a sermon over the summer when I was in Ephesians where there is, there is the reality that God cares about our glory. Now what does that mean? I think when you see that word glory, especially in reference to human beings, it's referring to our highest potential. What is the human being's greatest a potential they can achieve? Whatever that is, that is our glory. So it is our greatest joy our deepest thriving, our everlasting for fulfillment. That is what God is wanting and working for you and for me. He is preparing this whole wisdom is for our glory, his people. But not only that, it was earmarked for us before the ages began. And so the other implication of hidden, hidden in secret Is that it was prepared, God has prepared his wisdom especially for his people. God has prepared it especially for us. That's supposed to sober us. That's supposed to make us feel this degree of gratitude and joy in the grace of God. That he has brought us in to this wisdom. Because on our own, we would have looked at that wisdom and said, it's nothing special. I don't need that. That sounds interesting. But it is by God's work that God has prepared for his people. That we would look at that and say, no, that is my life. That is God's wisdom. He has prepared that. He has revealed that to us. So it made me think about... Um, it kind of it kind of made me think of this analogy of of the college. It's like a college trust fund. Right? Your, your parents want you to go to college. Right? And, and that's a great way to, to thrive and to grow in, in society is to go to college but there's a big barrier. It costs a lot of money. And so what what parents will do if they're able is they'll start setting aside money over time so that When the child comes of age, they can go to college and there's no barriers. It's just ready for them, for them to receive. And so think about what what it feels like to receive that from your parents. Think about the way, think about the special love that you feel, the unique love from your parents that that they sacrificed and prepared for you to have this. So there would be no barriers for you to go to college. Think of the way you would feel cared for. Think of the way you would feel provided for. I think that's what God wants us to begin to feel about this wisdom. How much care and provision and love has gone into how he has prepared us and earmarked us for this. Earmarked uh, this wisdom for us. But, you know, the thing about a trust fund, a college trust fund, is what's, is what's amazing about it is when, it, when you receive it. But then what, what we can tend to do with it is, is we can squander it, right? <clears throat> that child goes, goes to college and doesn't really um, count the cost of what it... He doesn't really respect what it cost his parents to give it to him. And he takes it for granted. And he wastes his time. Or maybe acts spoiled. <clears throat> And so God wants us to see the cost of this. The cost of this wisdom, how it came about. Verse 8. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. So look at how Paul is using the work of Christ to understand the wisdom of God and where it comes from. First of all, he's showing us how bankrupt the world is, um, how blind the world is. It may sound wise, the world may seem powerful, but it crucified Jesus. So clearly it doesn't get it. Clearly it is um, off in the worst way. <clears throat> but Paul is saying that very fact um, that, the, that the hiddenness of the there was a hiddenness to the Lord of glory. Let me say it like this. Um, that we, Paul also wants us to see the length that God went to to ensure his love is experienced by his people. Look at the length. He went to, the very fact that there was this hiddenness of the Lord of glory, hidden by the foolishness and the shame of the crucifixion, that he died like a criminal, the world could not understand, would never expect, couldn't fathom that God would come in weakness, die a death of a criminal for the weak and the powerless, for the sinners and the marginalized, That he would do all that. They could not imagine God would do that. And God is saying that very fact is to show you how much God wants to give you. That if he was willing to die for you in that way and do the unimaginable to save you. How much more can we believe in what God has prepared for us that the wisdom of God was given for our glory. Look at how he came. Look how unimaginable it was what he did on that cross for us. So Paul is trying to draw us in to really trust where this wisdom is coming from. so just a couple application points. At this point, I think the first thing is, as believers in Jesus, let us not be discouraged by the lack of acceptance of this wisdom of, by others. I think it can be very discouraging when people we love or people we respect or, 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 or the, the elements of, of the world and the powers of the world reject this. It can seem like we're, we're believing something wrong or we can be discouraged, but God wants us to see that this is a truth, that, of, that this is the way it works. This is, this is the context, this is how it, it goes. People cannot understand it on their own power. God has to reveal it. So, of course, there's going to be broad rejection of it by the world. But I think we also need to understand what faith is. What are we we saying when we say we believe in God, when we believe in the gospel? It's saying that um we know we trust that God is the one who knows what we need he knows what is what the the wisdom of the world isn't what we need he has the true wisdom he understands our frame he understands um, our our deepest longings he understands our desire for what the way Paul says it here is our glory he knows he cares about that you want. We're all people who are fighting for and scrapping for this thing called glory. We want to be able to thrive. We want fulfillment. And Paul is saying, do you see that he is the Lord of glory? Do you see the lengths he went to for you? That you can't even imagine what he's prepared for you. He's been thinking about this before the ages began. He has been preparing you and preparing his wisdom. He has made his plans so that you could taste and know glory. That you could thrive with him. So trust that. Don't go, don't superimpose and pick and choose God's wisdom. Don't evaluate God's wisdom by the wisdom of the world and decide what you're going to go with. You're not going to decide when it's suitable for you to follow, but when, you're, but when things seem not right, you're going to not follow. You're gonna, we're going to trust the wisdom of God fully. We're going to commit ourselves to it. Now, when it talks about this idea of no one can comprehend what God has prepared for his people, I think we get a little bit of insight as to what that entails. Again, to help us really lean into and stay faithful to the wisdom of God. Verse 10, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So Paul says that it is the spirit that reveals God's truth to us because the Spirit is able to understand the deeper, innermost thoughts of God and so we're able to get access to the depths of the transcendent God that would normally kill us, right? We can't even be in the presence of God and you see this in the Old Testament. We can't even hear the voice of God without wanting to die but the Spirit brings us right into the heart of God right into being able to know the depths of God himself. And so the secret and hidden wisdom of God, yes, it means that it's hidden from the world and revealed by God, but secret and hidden also means it's intimate. This is an intimate knowledge of God. Made me think of keeping a journal, right? Do you, any of you journal out there? Any of you like to journal? I've journaled from not many, do you journal? Yeah, you got, I, I get it. You, you just don't want to raise your hand, I get it. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like you. The fact that they're raising their hand. Hi, thank you for participating. <laughs> I, I have, I've journaled off and on in my life. And I, let me tell you, um, one of the things that keeps me from journaling is I lose my journals. <laughs> it is one of the most embarrassing things to not know where my journal is. It's in a public place somewhere and someone grabbed it and read it, right? I don't even want my wife reading my journal, right? What do you put in the journal? Your deepest longings, your deepest fears. You, the, 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 you know, the people that you love, right? You you just lay it all out, right? And you don't want anyone to see that. But what's amazing is that that's what God is saying. His wisdom is. Part of God's wisdom is letting us into the the deepest secrets of God's very heart. He unfolds them to us. He shares his longings. He shares his personal truth. His anger and frustrations. His wounds. He shares that with us. His calls. His promises. His calling on us. He shares all that with us. Lays it out for us to see and understand and so, to the experience of knowing the wisdom of God isn't just knowing things about God. It's not just reading the Bible and being in it, finding it interesting. It's experiencing and knowing God Himself. It's knowing the depths of God's heart. And that's the difference between taking in Scripture with the human mind and taking in Scripture by revelation by the Spirit. You are being miraculously brought into an very, very, a, a intimate relationship with God where he is unfolding his very heart to you. The depths of his, of his very being to you. Wow. And, and so the problem is though, what is our ability even with the spirit to comprehend that? We are still slow to get it. And so what Paul says the Spirit's job is also to do is this intimacy with God is, is supposed to translate to us growing deeper and deeper in our identity with God. There is a process that we have to go through in order to be receive the wisdom and understand who we are, but then to actually live into that identity. That takes time. It is difficult for us to comprehend this and to take it in. So that's part of the Spirit's job. Verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. So do you see what God wants us to be able to do with this truth? Yes, he reveals it to us. Yes, it reveals the, the innermost parts of God. But notice that we need the Spirit to help us understand it. We need to understand the things freely given to us by God. And that just doesn't happen automatically. We're going to have to hear it over and over and over again. In fact, we're going to need it interpreted it to us through human agency. Paul says, we impart this that the Spirit has given us, and the Spirit helps us interpret it to each other. So as we we do church together, as we hear sermons together and sing together and share in home groups together and confess our sins to each other, that's the Spirit helping us embrace who God is and what he's given us. We're dull to those things. We're, we're, we're prone to apathy towards it. We read verses like this and we go, well, okay. Ah, what God, God has wisdom for my glory? How many of you, that's going to change your life? It is life-changing to know that, but we don't really know the depths of what that means. So God invites us to plumb the depths. That's the church, Solano. That's what we're doing here, is to plumb the depths of God. That's not automatic, it takes time. Just to illustrate this, I I recently uh, watched The Princess Diaries with Anne Hathaway, classic. I was gonna say 90s, it was actually 2001. Um, And I didn't watch it when it came out. I I was just not in the mood for that one. But I watched it recently, and I watched it with my daughter and her friend, and that was also that was a fun, fun experience. Um, but the deal here is Anne Hathaway, her character Mia, is just a normal San Francisco uh, awkward teenager. She's going to school. She likes a boy. She's scared of public uh, speaking in public. Well, it turns out, she didn't know this, it turns out That she is the granddaughter of the queen of a fictional country, Genovia. And uh, her father had died. And so she, the queen comes and visits her and says, you are a princess. You are the heir of an entire kingdom. You are, you are going to rule. And so by blood, she is the princess. That is who she is. But of course, when she finds it out, she freaks. She's like, no, I can't do that. I want to just go back and be my normal uh, San Francisco teenage life. I don't want all of that power and responsibility of being a princess. So, of course, the whole movie is, is her agreeing to say, okay, I will learn how to be a princess. I will go through the process. She already is one, but she had to learn what it means. She had to understand what... It meant to rule, how to act a certain way, and all th- those things. Um, and so, you know, and the, of course, the turning point comes when, the, when she opens up the diary. And because there's a point, a point where she kind of wants to, she's afraid. She doesn't want to do it. And she opens up the diary, and it's her father wrote her a letter. And her father said, you don't have to be afraid. This is who you are. Don't let fear rule your life. You are my daughter, and you, and I believe in you. You can do this, right? Because of who she was, he was speaking into her, helping her understand her identity so that she could, and then she, of course, she agreed, and so she decided to be the princess uh, uh, that she was destined to be. Okay, now, here's the deal. Here's where the, the, the whole tension is that Mia had a choice. Mia had a choice. Even though she was the princess by birth, she was by blood, she could abdicate the throne. She could walk away from it. And so I think that is the choice before us as well. We have been given by the blood of Christ our position in the kingdom. He has bestowed his wisdom for us to learn and grow into our identities. It doesn't happen automatically. It was a painful process for Anne Hathaway. She had to do some awkward things, and she didn't know how to do it, and you know, it's gonna be an awkward process. It's gonna be difficult, but we can hit a point where we say, no, I don't want that. I wanna go back to my normal life. I wanna go back to the life of the flesh. Paul says it this way. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord, so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So Paul sets up these two poles, the natural person and the spiritual person. The natural person is is like Mia, Mia's character just in San Francisco, living her life, doing her thing, not a care in the world about what's going on in Genovia. And there's a point where she wants to go back to that. The natural person... Or the spiritual person is growing in the wisdom of God. Notice the freedom the spiritual person has. They, they, um, no one can judge them. I think that's the idea and Paul will explain this a little later. That they're, they're free from the need from the approval of man. They just, it's them and God and they are free from that and they are living out at the wisdom of God. They, they have the mind of Christ it says. They have this power and this freedom. They are thriving those are the two poles that God gives us. And so the question for us is which pole are we going to move to? That's the, co- that's the question that Paul's going to present to the Corinthians next week. He's going to say, you, although you have the Spirit, you are worldly. I could not address you as mature. You're infants in Christ. You're stuck. You're stuck in baby land, baby Christian land. You're not growing. You're stuck. So Solano, we have that choice, natural versus spiritual. And so this is all, by the way, today's sermon is pretty much a setup for next week. This whole passage is a setup for next week. And so we need to decide, and you could be thinking and praying about this, that we are going to be, Solano, let us be spiritual people. Let us be spiritual people and what I mean by that, and just to summarize what I've shared. I think spiritual people, that means we are not discouraged or intimidated by the world when it rejects God's wisdom. We're not people who pick and choose what parts of God's wisdom we're going to believe. Because we believe in a God, we believe in our Lord of glory who secured our glory in him by the blood of the cross. We trust that that's what spiritual people do and lastly as I mentioned we engage in the process that God has us so that we um, learn to grow into that identity. We go through that awkward hard part of interpreting spiritual truth to one another that is the church and so Let us be a church that engages with vigor and passion and devotion. What God is doing in and through what he is doing here at Solano. Here in in, in our home groups. Here on Sundays. um, In the different friendships you guys have in Christ. As we pray together, cry together, sing together. Let Let us see the context of God's wisdom. So that we would believe it. That we wouldn't, it wouldn't be that advice that we just didn't take. It wouldn't be this advice that we go, yeah, I don't know. No. We would say that is the wisdom of God. And we would lean in. We would live that out. We would be spiritual people. Let me pray. Lord, I... We need your help to comprehend the glory of what this passage is saying, Lord. That this is a wisdom, a secret and hidden wisdom that you prepared for us, for our glory. And so, Lord, you want us to drink deeply of it, to trust it, to see your love poured out for us, your care, your provision for your people through this wisdom, Lord, that we are a part of this by your blood that you shed, that you were crucified. And Lord, you really um, did two things with that. You not only provided for us, Lord, you showed us that this world's wisdom is bankrupt. Let us not turn to that, Lord. Let us not go and, and, and go to the, the, the pole of being a natural person, Lord. Let us be spiritual people. Teach us what that means, Help us lean into it this week as we study Scripture, as we pray, as we engage one another in fellowship. Lord, whatever the different areas that you use to help us learn and grow as you care for us by your Spirit, Lord, we look for what you're going to do. We trust you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.